and we did this on the last show, and I did the math, and it's like literally like 24 days of 24-hour days a year of extra time yeah. commuting. That's insane. The more I think about it, the more insane it is. Well, and it's crazy, too, because in my experience, it came from companies that were... Um, that were just that were just older it was just a lot it was just a culture of uh we need to sit here and every time it ever got brought up it was just like i you know every higher up was just like i think it's okay like i'm pretty cool with it it's just you know what am i gonna do and like throwing their hands up and be like it's just one of those things man and it's just like it doesn't it doesn't work when you see like report after report of you know, remote work or work flexibility being one of the most important drivers for a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the reasons why people are signing on. Like some people are saying, you know, I wish I had numbers behind me, but like I've certainly seen a lot of things that said like it's worth more than a higher paycheck. Well, yeah, because it's actually time, right? If I include you, I feel like you should include commute time in your time at work. So then take the amount that you're making a year if your salary, right? Add on the commute time to the regular eight hours a day and then divide it and then see how much you're worth. You're like cutting your time in a quarter almost if like you're doing two hours a day. Yeah. If, or a fourth. If, a fourth. If not, if not more. And I think yeah. that was something I was, I remember thinking about was like, the time, what that hourly rate would be that I'm missing, um, plus just like the salary implications, um, plus, you know, just the cost of mileage and all of that, which, right. you know, being a Tesla isn't as big of an issue, but, you know, you, you add in like a tank of gas a week and stuff like that. And it was just like, yeah. it's, but there's it, still a car payment insurance. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like all those like things together. And I think the, problem going back to what you're saying about the the older companies it's is that i think part of them being older is them not having the infrastructure or not even thinking about having the infrastructure and we've experienced this where it's like you know there'll be some people in the office and some people not and when they're in the office they're in these awful conference rooms with the worst audio ever even though they have De you know decent uh, decent enough equipment it's somehow still the worst audio ever and then it takes no one knows how to work the tv no one ever knows how to work the tv <laughs> <clears throat> and there's always four methods there's like there's four ways you can talk to this person right it could be slack it could be skype it could be uh you know whatever set go to meeting right but we have so for some reason we have all of them we can't standardize so then no one knows what to do and like we're like where is the thing it's over here okay all right well i can't hear you oh then then the computer the computer is always shitty you know the manager's computer is always the shittiest computer and it like never has the right drivers or it's never been restarted in like a year and a half so like it can they can't like initiate the microphone so they can't hear you you know it's like insanity yeah i mean a yeah i was right there with you but i i'm just i'm trying to think about that like if i were a manager why why is that so frustrating and a it's a mentality of that headcount thing and the fact that honestly i think a lot of managers especially ones i don't know 
I, I've never really been a manager, but you know, it, it's very frustrating for a lot of kind of boots on the ground coders and designers to feel like managers aren't doing a whole lot other than micromanaging. And that's not always the case, but I think it, it all kind of comes back to that communication issue and not understanding how important it is and then misinterpreting physical sight of somebody at a seat as a communication viability like as understanding that now i feel you know as a higher up comfortable that i'm in control better and i I think it's one of those things that cuts both ways and um i definitely agree i mean yeah we've definitely been there where you know i've been on teams where everybody would have a remote stand-up where everyone was on a separate computer with separate headphones and you could hear everybody but that rarely happens, especially in like bigger companies where, yeah, again, it, they don't know how to run it effectively and don't care to re- rely on the input of people who have done it effectively. And then you just get that stuff where it's 20 people huddled around a laptop or around a single mic. And it's no surprise that it completely falls apart. Or there's like a webcam, but the 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 lid of the laptop is facing like two up or two down, so you're staring <laughs> at the ceiling, or you're staring at the uh, staring at the carpet. Yeah. That's also a thing. But again, like especially in a lot of industries where, like a lot of development and stuff that we've been in, um, you, you know, everything is everything in reality should be built out in tasks, and it should be. This is what I'm working on. This is what I did. Here's how you review it. Here's how we move on to the next one. But, you know, I, I, I understand to some degree why that missing human element is tough, especially if there's any shadow of a doubt. And I think, again, that's why that communication is so important, particularly, you know, again, like with, I don't know if I'm trying to play devil's advocate here, but uh, because I'm 100% supportive of remote stuff but you know it's like you take people who are probably the the least likely to um you know be around constantly and feel like they're on slack all the time and all this other stuff and then i you know i kind of understand where there's these gaps in logic where it's like i haven't heard from this person today i don't know what they're doing although that's not really an issue it shouldn't be and it shouldn't be an excuse to pull away from remote work but you know i think i I don't know that part of it, the, you know, the Slack meetings and stuff like that and the standups where you, you know, where you feel like you're missing uh, other people's work. I, I understand to some degree, but it, it's definitely something that cuts both ways. Yeah. And I think it's worse where there's this, uh, we're old company and we want to be cool and hip. So we're going to offer a little bit of that. And it's like that half foot in, half foot out, which is like the worst of all worlds. Just enough they to don't... screw it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's enough to screw it up. You're not all in. So you're going to screw it up. So then you're going to pull it back. Yeah. You just don't get if you don't do it all the way, if you don't have the supporting infrastructure, it's not going to work. And your poor management practices and your poor uh, communication practices are going to be exacerbated by that. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing, and like I said, my goal is not to <laughs> bash on any company who's ever had, you know, managers that have struggled. Um, but I, I that is one thing I was just thinking about that I, I've never really considered before, where 
a lot of again like i always consider developers designers any, anyone who's really like pushing the work itself forward kind of the boots on the ground people and it it is always interesting where in so many cases that is the most far removed position from the the company-wide moving forward so you know you almost never know what the managers are doing there's always a kind of hidden veil there and so that's i think where it cuts worst you know the most ways is like if you put a remote situation in I would say that there's even a bigger disconnect from like the managers and what they're doing. And if that's important for, you know, other employees to know about, you know, that's just as bad as a developer going for two hours to work on code and not piping up in chat all the time. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what those managers are doing. Uh, They're sending emails. They're scheduling meetings. About what other people are doing. (laughs) About what other people are doing. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, it's, you know, I've repeatedly worked in the same city with remote workers, uh, very nearby to remote people where, you know, remote things were just a small cluster of people where it was the entire company, you know, maybe that was only 10 to 15 people, you know, kind of teams up to 15 to 20 people, which is a whole nother, I mean, that's another show topic or just like those business meetings, (laughs) And how egregious they are, uh, kind of getting into like the rework philosophy there, uh, the you know the um, base camp thirty seven signals kind of philosophy there. But yeah, I mean, you you talk about perks and why remote is important to people. I mean, especially again, any any developers, any of those kind of boots on the ground people, where you need a quiet space, and most offices are the opposite of that now especially as almost every modern day tech office is an open floor plan kind of thing and that works 10 to 20 percent of the time when collaboration is needed but in my experience it's almost always a fault and it hinders productivity and times where i've in where i've particularly needed to solve a tough challenge or build something from scratch for the first time working from home was a really important part of getting that done yeah for sure yeah i've definitely worked i've worked at smaller companies where work from home was more again i don't think it was very supported but it was at least enough where you could be at home do your work bring something in and you know it be recognized as you know actual work that happened right because you're in a smaller team and like you you are responsible for this part of the thing, right? And you come and do the thing and they're like, "Okay, cool." You know, again, I think the the number one hindrance that comes from re- remote work or that other people so where a corporate kind of person would say, and as somebody who has now been remote and is now freelance 100% of the time, I have similar but other answers to this. Uh, but it's, you know, it's that idea of of that veil, you know, that, you know, transparency veil in between things where you don't have enough control over what's going on. And it creates, I think, an isolation for the manager. And if they're, you know, their job is to, quote unquote, manage. And generally that, you know, too often means nitpicking and prodding when it's not important. There are companies that do this successfully, right, and are very well-respected companies and have 100% remote Mm -hmm. workers, right? 
which are, you know, companies like Zapier, 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 mm-hmm. companies like GitLab. Yeah, GitLab was one of the ones I was I was going to bring up that that I had found that in particular um, talk about their remote as kind of a point of pride. Right, because then you can get the best of the best. You don't have to get the people who are either directly in your vicinity or who are willing to uproot their entire lives and move to your vicinity. Yeah. I mean, certainly I think of the base camp people as well, where, you know, they have now somewhere between like 40 and 50 employees all over the world. And that's, that's a huge important part to them to say like, we can, you know, we can manage on an app or in a, um, you know, and you could use Jira, you could use any sort of, agile framework or you, know, you can use Google Sheets for all you know all you care but it's you can task and you can deliver based on on things that don't require another human to be like the feeder of all that stuff and yeah you have way more opportunity to get way better developers or way better of most positions and if you give them that freedom and, you know, I think, and if it works, it allows a lot of buy-in to the company. I think it adds yeah. a lot of point of pride to a company when you can do that. But that requires a good communication and it requires, you know, a lot more transparency over the day-to-day of what's going on around you and kind of to feel like the company as a whole is moving forward in a certain way. And uh, bu- another one I mentioned is Buffer, who is one of those ones that is very radically transparent. They They will even... Uh, show you what each position is being paid yeah. at the company, currently working position. And they have where, like a formula. Yeah, where theoretically they have a formula where you would know what you're going to get paid. And it just says, you probably, if you have it pulled up, you know it better than I do. I just, I remember from a few years ago. No, I don't have it pulled up right okay. now, but I remember looking at it too. I forget the exact URL, but it's yeah. something, you know, it's they they have it. There's certain base rates based on the kind of work you're doing, where you're located. So if you're in San Francisco, you get like a 0.3 plus modifier to to your uh, uh, to your salary, and then it brings in something to the effect of like if you're a junior, a normal, or a senior position at this thing, you get another modifier. Um, but it's pretty cool. It's one of those things like if it works and it works for the CEO all the way down to the newest hire, uh, you know, I love that idea. I, I, I think there's some really interesting things about uh, price transparency and salary transparency that I know. Uh, I remember watching one of the Adam, Adam Conover's Adam Ruins Everything about how, you know, keeping a lot of that information private really only benefits a corporate company who has more to gain out of that obscurity than not. Exactly. So you, you have no zingers for me? I was, I was waiting for zingers. I, I was just going to be... convince you to go remote full-time by bringing up how I'm, terrible it's really, you don't need You don't need to convince me. My life is convincing me. I mean, it, it's interesting, and it's, it's funny now having done this full-time for a little while, some of the challenges that I you hear about but until you do it are a little tough and it's mostly around that like being very deliberate about when you start and when you get work done because it's very easy to be like i have to be at work by eight o'clock or nine o'clock so i need to be there uh you know the things working remote that i've 
I've struggled with thus far are, you know, that just that timing and how little things, how when you have, you know, you have an apartment or a co-working space or something to yourself, it is very easy to get caught up in a lot of little errands. And right. it is very easy when work can always be done later to push it off often. Um, and, you know, I think that communication thing with, especially with, you know, if you're doing more of a freelance model where you're kind of working with new clients often, uh, that first month or two of communication in particular is very critical. And I think, you know, you, you need to, and it's hard, especially when you don't want to like pester anybody, especially online when, you know, you could go talk to somebody every day, but if you send a bunch of messages to somebody every day, it starts to feel kind of spammy. (laughs) So it's a, a weird mixture there, but there can be downsides and the downsides make things a little difficult just about like, you know, they talk about the loneliness thing a little bit. I think that's there some, but you, you know, you just have to find more ways to keep communicative with people and find ways to be around people who are doing the kind of work that you're doing. Yeah, I don't know. So I, I have been in this position and it, it crosses over a little bit between freelance and remote. And that's why when we were starting this, the, the notes for this show that I kept calling it uh, freelance instead of remote, because they are they sometimes you know, sure. oftentimes overlap. And yeah, I, I ran into those problems. I don't know if I ever fully succeeded, but as I grew into it, I learned to be less uh, or take more control of my time. Don't let the externalities control my time. So Mm -hmm. I would look at emails only at certain times of the day. Like I wouldn't, I've met these people and it's like insane to me. And there's, it's everybody. Like it's more often this kind of person than the, the me kind of person, which is the second an email comes in, they look at it, they deal with it. Right. As if it's a fire. And I I think it's a fire. Every email is an immediate fire. Yeah. And I I think that comes from that, that office culture, that sort of middle, middle tier, you know, kind of middle higher up type of work where the communication is the work. And I think that's a really dangerous place to be. And it, it's, I think that's kind of what screws up the remote work when you have, you know, task oriented industries where did you build the thing you said you were going to do today is different than, you know, again, this gets back to that kind of harping on the manager sort of thing, but it's like, is your job just to send emails and look busy? I, I definitely remember, you know, one of my first kind of career jobs having a boss that uh, was kind of an oddball and loved to look so busy like he was panting to get out of his office to get to the next meeting like it was the most important thing george costanza if you look (laughs) if you look frustrated all the time they think you're busy right exactly and just one of those one of those every time you know you'd pass by him in the hall or he would pass by somebody else just one of those oh boy yeah just one of those days getting getting stuff done and then you're like what did you get done though what do you actually do do anything (laughs) but i have so many emails right yeah. Uh, yeah. It's I've been definitely with those kind of people, but I've been with people who are actually like uh, the first startup I ever worked for. The CEO was very young and uh, but very like driven. 
mm-hmm. but you would be in a meeting with him in his office talking about important things related to the direction of the company, the direction of the product. He would get an email from random person, stop talking to you, look at it, read it, respond to it, and then get back to the conversation. Wow. Yeah. And how much more time does that waste when you have right. physical physical people whose time is important? And again, like if we do an episode on kind of meetings, like meeting culture, which I certainly think we could, there's one of those things like you can, there's so many times where I've been in a meeting with 20, 30 or more people sometimes. And you're just like, this is thousands and thousands of dollars to host this meeting. What are just so somebody wearing a sports jacket can feel heard? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, there's uh yeah, it's it's pretty like the all this office culture stuff is the more you think about it, the more time wasty it is and the more bloviating it is. And the more I think about it, the more I think there's like of these giant companies, there's like five percent of the workforce is actually producing something, the rest are scheduling meetings and sending emails and that's and it kind of using other people as pawns to make meetings we need to do a meeting episode <laughs> we keep coming back all right write this, it down put it put it on the list there you know again one of those things with remote i mean we don't have to say it again but you know we've worked with people who who have legit concerns and reasons to be at home certain times or you know people with kids or anything else and now I'm looking at it and having an actual open schedule where I can build my time. I have the opportunity to travel in a way that I have never really had before, like to not sense working full time and having a career where, you know, I work as a developer and I like I'm I'm now kind of fascinated by that, you know, after having spent so much time wanting to do those things and kind of resenting the time that I spent um, you know, in an office chair. <laughs> right. And yeah, you, you talk about like, f- we talk about just a little bit ago talking about the kind of people that you can get right for, you know, if you have a remote position. Right. But another thing we don't say is like, you could possibly get them for less. People will often, t- I, w- I know I would, if I took my job right now and they said, all right, you could be 100% remote. We'll knock 10 grand off your paycheck. I would take that before they even finish your sentence. Oh, for sure. I mean, there you was know? a time where I was like, if I could do this, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, probably if a company told me they were going to knock my salary down, I'd be a little upset. But like, you know, you do the math in your head and be like, I would do this for like half just to just yes. to have that freedom and that opportunity and know that like I can go work out and be healthier during my day and I'm not you know, living on fast food as much because I'm just, I'm exhausted and, you know. Yeah, and save money because I'm not, you know, going out for lunch every day. I am, you know, doing whatever I need to do, you know. And, yeah, I I definitely, I I was there. I did that, right? I was a person who would not start work. I would, I've told you this before, but I'll tell the audience that, like, yeah, when I worked, completely remotely i would uh, remotely is weird because it seems like i'm remote for a company that works certain hours which is not what it was it was me working for my own company so it was more and then doing freelance work so Mm -hmm. like it was a little bit different but yeah i would set the schedule a little bit different so like yeah i would front load all my errands and exercise and all that stuff do that in the morning 
come into the afternoon where the emails would be piled up and all the work would be done. So then I can then do the emails and not like be waiting for responses and stuff. Right. Do emails and do that stuff, then do the work. Yeah. And maybe I was actually bill, you know, billing maybe four hours of work a day, but that's probably what it is at, you know, a salary job. Oh yeah. I mean, and we can get into that too. Like when, I yeah, that's one of those things I'm pretty positive about was, you know, even at my best and like the times I was busiest when you add in like all these meetings and these like critical ones that are, you know, quote unquote critical ones that were super important. Like you don't you you don't really bill 40 hours and it's not even really close to it a lot of times. But uh, yeah, so. I'm interested to hear your perspective as I'm I've done remote off and on and I've done it at the same time as working uh, a full time job like in an office. And I had done it, you know, kind of while I was in school and, you know, time in between some different stuff like that. But having since you've sort of formally had a um, how long was it at least more than a year, a couple years, three years, three years. Okay. I mean, that's a good amount of time. And then going back to an office thing, what were the things that were most important that knowing that you gave up a bunch of remote perks and some of the freedom that comes with that, what were the things that you gained that were actually a big positive for you? So I feel like I gained more experience uh, or growth just in general because I was working with people that were very good at their jobs, right? So and they were they were I knew I knew that I I feel like I was good, but I was still I was too in the trenches of getting the work done to explore getting yeah. better, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it was just like task, do task, get money. Right. I was in that mode instead of uh, a more exploratory mode. And that was just just how it ended up being because it was like new ish. Yeah. And I wanted and I wanted to get it to a point where, you know, I, I and the problem the problem was that it never got to the point where, OK, I can slow it down or it got to the point where there was so much maintenance happening that it was like this. It felt there was like a lot of drudgery. Yeah. To it. I told myself what I could do is I could gradually wean these clients. Off. Right. I would still be making a good amount of money because I had a lot of reoccurring revenue from it. So it would be like having that salary plus more. Mm -hmm. Right. But I could wean them off because I wouldn't need them. Right. And I didn't see a lot of growth in them as themselves. Like I could take on more. There's a lot of referral work, but I could have taken on more. But there was not a lot of growth like in the clients that I already had. They were just kind of pestery. It was a lot of the same stuff over and over again. I, I kind of just craved something different. But if if that was available, it wasn't the, any part of the working, like the being yeah. there or commuting, obviously. Uh, that was the thing that was most exciting for me. And then also working on things that were of higher uh, statute. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So like, yeah, working on like bigger clients, more clout Cloud client stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Those were those were the two major things. That's interesting because it's funny. Like you think about if you treat freelance or if you treat the you know the work you're doing as a business, 
analogous to like, I'm somebody who owns a shop who makes widgets. Nobody would ever complain when people want to keep buying widgets, but it's one of those things when it's your direct time they're buying and it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah. You're not growing, especially in an industry that part of the industry is you're always a little bit behind or a lot behind and there's always a moving carrot and stick. Yeah. And I really didn't like, and this problem is it's happening more and more in the current work that I do, which is dealing with people who do not know anything about what I'm doing and don't appreciate it. You know, they just like they they're buying a widget, but they don't realize the widget is very complicated and a lot. Of, I'm building the widget for you bespoke, you yeah. know, but now the and hours it, and the payment that it actually costs both for you and the company are now kind of more obscured. Right. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> tough. Uh it's funny sort of being the opposite of that now, at least officially, you know, officially fully doing remote stuff. Um, one of the exciting parts was sort of the exactly what you were saying, like you kind of were searching for uh, bigger, bigger clients, more um, n- not tougher work, but work where you're growing and you're learning new things. Um, that's one of the things that venturing off now has really give me the opportunity to do and has been uh, both really difficult because you don't necessarily have that support system to find answers when you need them, uh, you know, when you're struggling. But I have already started to grow, which has been good. But it's yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's it's interesting. The I don't know the term to say necessarily, but like the externality of work where when you have a kind of a nine to five thing, you can shut down so many other parts of your life because you have to go to work. You have to do this and that. But, you know, when you're I, I'm starting to kind of see why some people are like, I had to get an office. Like sometimes I have to close the door and go to work in a place where it's even if it's in my home, it's not, quote unquote, in my home because, you know, home has a lot of things you have to do all the time and errands to run and stuff like that. And it's, it's easy to, uh, get sucked into those little things. Yeah. I, I definitely ran into that, but then I just, at some point I accepted it is like, I'm going to do this many hours of work and I'm going to do this many hours of not work and that's going to be fine. But the problem is you think about it all the time. Right. Even when you're not when you're not even when you try to compartmentalize like that, it you're still thinking about it, which is a a burden, which is another reason why why having a a salaried uh, job where you go to a place like the second you leave that place, like for the most part in American culture, it's like they're not going to call you and be like. You know, you got to do this thing and you got to do that thing. You got to be like, okay, see, I'll see you tomorrow and we'll talk about it. You know, absolutely. I mean, that's it's a tough one. And that that is a real it's weird to say a positive about like a an in-office job. But you you really can check the work and the worries at the door. Yeah. But I I think if there's like proper remote culture. Like you can do that too. Like you can make it so like, okay, our like communication time is still from this time to this time in whatever time zone. Right. Sure. Yeah. So that's our like 
communication time. And then for other things like, you know, you're not expected. Like uh, GitLab has a great, great handbook. They publish their handbook as a Git repo. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can read it and you can I you might even be able to suggest changes to it. You know, something very funny. So I ordered some GitLab swag uh, yesterday mm-hmm. and I was reading the GitLab shop website and they said, oh, do you want to request something? They had an FAQ and they, they said, do you want to request something like us to have something? And I wanted an enamel pin for my backpack and they didn't have that. So I wanted to request <laughs> that. And they uh, they said the way you do it is that you there they have a Git repo called swag and then you open an <laughs> issue for it. And I did. That's amazing. So, but the, I like that because they're so all in on their product, right? They're they're like dog fooding to the extreme, uh, committed to the extreme. Like their handbook is a Git repo. Even people who are not technical, they're at GitLab. They know how Git works because that's the yeah. Product. Maybe that's maybe that's an interesting one and a maybe a good way to close the episode out is thinking about what so remote can can apply to just about every industry there are service yeah. industries and certain things that you obviously need a physical presence in but when you think you saying that it's all about the product is really interesting when the companies that i've had the most trouble with remote at have been very have been less about the product even when the product was a service like at a nonprofit or something like that but it became the size and the we're doing great things as an industry together that put a big damper on it when looking big and important having a big office was part of the allure there's a lot of i've definitely been in places where it's like oh we have an office and it's a nice office yeah it's like well you know, it's, and that that doesn't impress me impress me much and yet even the nice offices have never had the tools in the stuff that i've had at home because i know what i want to work with and work on 